first and foremost, we give women permission to not do the most. And we tell them that it's okay to just do one thing. Who in our lives has ever given us that permission? Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Why, hey there, welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. It is your gal, Carly, and I am so glad that we get to connect here today. You know, you ever notice when you have a new idea or a new goal that folks can come out of the woodwork with what we call OPOs around here? And OPO stands for Other People's Opinions. (laughs) I mean, other people's opinions about what you should be doing. So if you say, hey, I'm trying this new diet thing, people are going to tell you about the great diet they've tried and why you should do it too, or what vitamins you should take, or why you should stay in your job, or why you should leave your job, or or anything like that. And a lot of this is well-meaning advice, right? In fact, we did a whole episode on OPOs and how to navigate them that I will put here in the show notes. But one thing that I've learned in the field of coaching is that if I give advice, my hope is that some of it would be helpful. But lasting transformation, the kind of aha moments that really shift us and cause us to be permanently, positively viewing things differently happen when we hear our own wisdom or when we hear something that strikes a chord because it's also just so true from our own experience. We can relate. We can go, oh my gosh, I was thinking the same thing, right? Or that same thing happened to me. And once we have those ahas, there are two things that help them stick with us, help the new insights we've had become part of our new way of thinking. And that's the two C's, courage and community. Courage as in the bravery required to try this new thought on, to live into it, to maybe do something a little bit differently. And community, that's going to have your back free from judgment and be able to listen and relate and to support you on your own terms. Now, the last 15 years, I have seen community work wonders for my clients in my coaching practice. And in the last couple of years, I've started to ask myself a new question about this. If I can see individuals and the groups that we work with get results from hearing their own insights and having the courage and a community to apply those insights, What would it look like to run my entire company that way? Meaning, we've begun to pioneer this way of teaching and leading that is based on a lot of research and data and proven methods and allowing it to be guided by the collective insights, wisdom, and experience of a diverse group of women. In this way, it is not the Carly show or the Carly and Dana show, Dana LeMay being the head of the Boundary Academy that I work closely with. Rather than having a narrow hierarchy of leaders, which is the model we've so often seen in the professional world, we have this vast network of guides on the side that make sure that our clients and those women in the Boundary Academy get to hear their own wisdom. And this also means 
that there are no solo heroes in our company. That's a term that comes to us from Dan Stedding in his book, Real Team Wins. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. We did a great interview with him about a year ago now on the podcast. Rather than having one person have to do all the heavy lifting because they're in charge of all the brilliance or all the workload, rather we get to listen and include and consider each other's insights and we are all richer for it. So... Today, we're going to be sharing part two of my recent conversation with Dana, the head of school for our Boundary Academy. If you'd missed part one, it's A-OK. You might want to go back and check it out after this one. Today, you're going to hear us share some of the behind the scenes of what it's been like to launch this school and see what it's like to run it as we pioneer this method of having a wide community full of wisdom rather than a narrow hierarchy trying to lead it all. You're going to hear some of the unexpected surprises that we've had along the way. And oh my gosh, are there some good ones? You're going to hear what's worked and what hasn't. And the real life questions women who are upgrading their boundaries have and the wins they are experiencing. For example, a lot of fear we see cropping up in the territory of boundaries has to do with concern over how other people might respond to your boundaries. We hear a lot of questions that sound like, well, Yeah, okay, I set a boundary, but what if somebody pushes back or they're disappointed or they rage on about the boundary I'm trying to set? Then what do I do? And sure, we can say that people's responses to your boundaries aren't your job to manage, but practically, how do we stop spending hours or days or weeks in this kind of cycle of overthinking and doubt, trying to perfect the perfect way of phrasing what we need to say in hopes that if we say it just right, that everybody will understand our boundaries? Or how do we not jump in to backtrack or manage other people's responses once we do speak up? Well, Dana is going to share exactly how we get off the emotional roller coaster when setting boundaries and feel far more grounded and centered in this part of today's conversation. Or another group, aha, that we've recently had that you're going to hear more about in today's episode is how one woman is now able to discern Who will have a reasonable response to her boundaries and who will react unreasonably? And now she knows how to customize her conversations. She doesn't have to manage the unreasonable responses in the same way anymore. Gosh, I just want to list all the wins right here, but I'm going to let you hear them for yourself. So if you ever feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you have to do so much heavy lifting in your day, on your job, or in your social circles, this is the episode for you. Oh, and before I forget, if being in these types of conversation is helpful or you want to get to ask myself and Dana your own boundary-related questions, I encourage you to RSVP to join Dana and I and a bunch of boundary experts that we love and learn from on a regular basis on Monday, September 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time for a totally free live boundary panel where we'll be sharing what does and doesn't work for women in the territory of boundaries. You can claim your spot at carlyfane.com forward slash RSVP. I'll put a link to that right here in the show notes. And even if you hear this too late or you know you can't make it live, go ahead and RSVP anyway, and we'll send you a copy of the recording. These types of conversations are just so important, and I would love to have your voice in the room too. I really knew what to expect coming into this and 
I think I've just been kind of surprised by everything <laughs> and just how welcoming and supportive and accepting everyone is and just how inspired I feel every time I come on these calls and when I leave for like hours, I'm just like smiling. I go back to work and I'm like, this was amazing. <laughs> like, it's so good. But it, I think too, just, just really having the space to be vulnerable in this way is different from anything else I have in my life. And I have a huge support network of people, but nothing quite like this. I wasn't able to actually set the boundaries or work on setting them or make the changes in my life until I was able to be vulnerable to use my voice to set them because I was no longer worried about what that person was going to think of me by setting it. These are the voices of women who have attended the Boundary Academy. This is a group coaching program and ongoing community that I run with 14 women from the Council of Boundary Makers. And together, we welcome women who used to be like me, people-pleasing overachievers who secretly feel behind because you know you're capable of more, but you just don't have time to get to it with everything on your plate into the arms of sisterhood to make sure that you finally have both the time and energy to get to what you care about without being pulled in 10 directions or feeling guilty anymore. Because here's the thing, a life without boundaries is not your own life. But having boundaries is definitely not about armoring up or having to be fierce or have big hard walls between you and everybody else. I think the thing I continued to take away was this perspective that boundaries are not walls. That can be intimidating to say, oh, I'm going to sign up for Boundary Academy, but I don't know if I'm ready to put up those walls yet. And that's not what it's about. Boundaries actually are between you and you. It's looking at where do you need to create a boundary for yourself? And because of that, that it's softer. It's not trying to hide you behind a wall, but instead help you bridge across a situation. You see, all my years of research and coaching women in the territory of boundaries has taught me that it's not that setting boundaries is hard. It's trying to set them alone that makes them so tricky. So instead, we use proven methods and good old sisterhood that gives you both the resources, the clarity, and the confidence to have the best career, relationships, and health of your life without it having to feel like as much work as it is right now. That's what people need to know. is like when they feel like they can't rise up, we're here to lift them. The doors to enroll in the new class open on September 20th, 2021 and promptly close on October 1st. So this is your window. Head on over to carlyfane.com to get the full scoop and free instant access to one of the classes with me where you can learn practically how women stop snapping at other people, being secretly behind, always feeling guilty about something, or getting headaches and other perplexing health symptoms simply by upgrading a few key boundaries. This is the last time we're opening the doors this year, so I hope to see you in the Academy. Give yourself the respect of checking it out because boundaries aren't something nice we practice later when we have more time. They are something essential that we practice gently now so that you have the time and space in your days 
for the career or health or relationships that give you the joy and energy you really want. We're all coming together for like the same purpose and the same cause. And we're all just here to support each other and lift each other up. We're all in it together. And I think that shows once we start talking to each other. It's like having multiple best friends in your back pocket. Our last three thought leaders in the Boundary Academy have all touched on. So all of their topics were different, right? We had one who talked about inclusion, including yourself in a conversation. We talked one about courage with our families. And well, one was developing courage and the other was about relationships with their families. Every single thought leader spoke about being with the discomfort. Like, where is it that we learn that we're supposed to be comfy all the time? Yeah, right? You and I laugh about that because we both come from kind of the wellness space. And there's this like really interesting thing that happens. I hear a lot of phrasing around like, if it's meant to be, then it should feel easy. And I'm like, to who? Like, when? That'd be great. And I'm all for the cultivation of ease. I am all for that. And you and I are always looking at how could we make this easier? How could this be more simple? But discomfort is not the sign that we're doing it wrong. Discomfort is the sign that we're doing it differently. It's, oh, I'm trying something that I haven't done before. And when somebody reacts to our boundary, when somebody does throw a tantrum or they resist or they push back, that to me is the indication that we absolutely needed the boundary and their outrage or disappointment or frustration when it shows up. And often it doesn't show up. Often people are accommodating, but when they're not, that's the absolute indication that the boundary was essential. And that this person in that moment is unable to support us and what we actually need. They're either willing or unwilling or unable, like either way is fine. And that it comes back to this. It's not easy to set the boundary and there's, we're going to be uncomfortable, but gosh, that moment of discomfort is so much better than the days, weeks, months, years of work or resentment or frustration or health issues that we get when we don't say the thing that we need to say or remove ourselves from the situation. So that's been a surprise learning for me is that discomfort is part of it and it's allowed and it's welcome and we can freaking handle it. We can actually handle more discomfort than we think we can. I'm so curious for you. What have you seen happen in the Boundary Academy that surprised you, Dana, in this process? Every time I show up for a call, I show up, I've told you this before, as both a part of the team, a facilitator, and as a student. And every single time, this group of women blows my mind. They show up fully. It's a safe space. They can bring all parts are welcome, right? All parts are welcome. And to be in a space where all parts are welcome and anything you're experiencing is held in a tender and safe way, it's indescribable until you've experienced it. I cannot say enough about the space and community that this course creates and the changes that I've seen in the lives of every single participant so far. I mean, a woman recently shared that she drew a boundary with her dad, right? Her dad, who's a very difficult and unreasonable, and that they have a really hard time communicating. And she had this blow up with her dad and then decided that the way to heal it or solve it for that moment was to go drive to his house in person. And she handled it so beautifully and so differently and so true to herself. Yes. And she had a beautiful response from him too, by the way. Like a lot of our fear around 
drawing boundaries with other people is in what we think their response might be, which again, that's part of the discomfort in my experience and the experience of this community of women, more often than not, we do not get the response. The worst case scenario response does not come. And as we get clearer and stronger in our own boundaries, we learn that we're not responsible for other people's responses, reactions to our, our boundaries are with us, right? They're between you and you. And the clearer that is, and the more grounded you feel and the more supported you feel, the less someone else's response matters. You are reminding me that particular participant just yesterday, she mentioned the awareness she has now about the ability to discern who is reasonable and who is unreasonable and how to shift her approach in boundaries. So she mentioned, my father is an unreasonable man. My entire life, he has been unreasonable. He will fly off the handle. You can't reason with him. She goes, however, my ex-wife is a reasonable person and I can talk with her, you know, and I can express a boundary and she will respect it and she will get it. And so the way I talk with my dad around boundaries needs to be different than the way I talk to my ex-wife around boundaries, like because of reasonableness. And that had literally never occurred to me until the Academy just recently, where it was Nancy Levin, again, who brought that up, who said, if you're dealing with a reasonable person, this is what you might do. <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute. Right. So that rules out most of our teenagers for those parents in the room, right? Like, no, it's such a simple test. And the conversation around that specific boundary issue or the reasonableness, her question was how much to explain, like how much info do we give, right? So we talk about that, like, how do I draw a boundary and give enough information and what's too much information? And because we say that we don't need to explain our boundaries to other people. We just need to be really clear with ourselves what they are. We're not asking someone else to change their behavior at all. This, I think, is really foreign. I don't think people really understand that. A boundary is not a hard line between me and you. It's not a wall. It's not an indelible line that you may never, that's not flexible. It's pretty incredible. I wish I had better words to describe it other than that. But no, I think you're doing it beautifully. We've seen boundaries at work. We've seen women able to draw boundaries when making employment negotiations in salary negotiations. We've seen women draw boundaries with their employers around what they are realistically able to do in the amount of time that they're supposed to be at work. We've seen women start to take a lunch break who never had a lunch break before. We've seen women explore boundaries with their families, which I wanted to mention earlier. We say are the PhD level boundaries. (laughs) Yes, we don't start there. We don't start with boundaries with family. We work up to that. Yeah, we start with tiny little boundaries and then we move on to the harder ones. So it really runs the gamut. It does. And, And you're mentioning something that just came up recently when one woman who drew a boundary with her landlord and she said what was really interesting about it was there was no like emotional roller coaster. I felt really grounded and centered the whole time. And I think that part is really fascinating to witness. We all show up, at least in my experience, my experience of learning to practice boundaries and then my experience of witnessing everybody who's been through the academy so far and all you know, the clients we coach with is we show up with so much fear, anxiety, panic. It's like the emotional barometer is really high around the idea of setting boundaries. And what we find is as we practice them, There's this sense of centering and feeling grounded and feeling clear. And interestingly enough, a lot less emotion. 
Oh, so much less, so much less. And what I described before about feeling all twisted up, you know, like that internal, what, however that feels for you. I don't have that anymore. When I say to someone, this is what's okay with me, right? This is what I'm willing to do or to accept or whatever it is, because I'm so clear that that is only about me. It is not about that other person. It is not about what they will do with that information or not do with that information. It's not about, I mean, I say what I say with as much kindness as possible, right? I'm not looking to hurt anyone, but also it's not my responsibility to manage their emotions, their reactions, their thoughts and feelings around it. That's not mine. Oh my gosh. There's so much that isn't ours. No, so much that we're managing that is not ours to manage. This is okay with me. I'm willing to do this. I'm not willing to do that. I love you. See you later. Like it's really not, it's not that big a deal. Right. With practice, with practice. And I think, you know, as you described, you know, some of the really cool wins that we've seen, I think on the flip side of that, we haven't seen anybody lose their job, get fired, break up with the best friend that they absolutely love to death. None of that is happening. Like the worst case fear scenario, we're not seeing any of that happening. We're seeing changes in status of relationship. And much like you talked to earlier, the people who can't genuinely support do start to fall away, but there's not big, a lot of big crisis hoopla. No, it's like all the worst case scenarios don't, they don't come to fruition. Yeah. Even the not worst case, even like, oh, this really bad thing. We haven't really seen, I can't think of a single example of something really blowing up for a woman drawing a boundary. I, I can't think of a single example in hundreds and hundreds of them that we've talked about, if not thousands at this point. Gosh, I wish I knew that sooner. Like I would have done this so much sooner if I had realized, oh my God, it's not going to all explode and implode and change drastically. It can be a gentle process and setting boundaries can feel like the wild west in terms of all these different approaches, but we are the sheriff of our own pace. What's the pace that's appropriate here? And I, I think what we're finding is that when we include ourselves in the conversation, When we think of, okay, what do I need in order to operate at my best in this relationship or on this project or in this work atmosphere, there's love there. And when our, like, love is palpable. I mean, I'm just going to get a little woo-woo, but like, this is it. It is palpable. And so when we are expressing a boundary from a place of love rather than a place of defensiveness or I need to put a wall up with you or, hey, you're a jerk because you're not doing what I want... When we own what we need and express what we are going to do, and I'm thinking about an example of this was we recently had a a woman in the Boundary Academy say, look, one of my best friends, we go hiking every week and she texts while she drives. And for years, me and all of our friend group is terrified to be in the car with her because she swerves and she dodges and she misses exits. And I just cannot safely be in that vehicle. What do I do here? But the fear is I don't want to offend this friend. I don't want to lose this relationship. Plus she's got the hiking pass for hiking, right? So I don't want to lose the hiking pass. And you know what she realized in the formulation of her boundary, it wasn't about telling her friend that she needs to do something differently. It was about her saying, I am no longer going to drive in the car with you while you're texting. I just want you to know. I love you so much. I want you to be safe. I want me to be safe. So I've made the decision not to drive with you while you're texting. And because this friend happens to be a reasonable person, throw back to our earlier conversation, she could add on to that. Would you be willing to not text while I'm in the car? But it was never about asking her friend to change, right? And so there was nothing, there was nothing violent or aggressive for her friend to come back with because she was coming to it from a place of self-love. 
of this is me loving myself. And honoring herself. Yeah. Herself yeah. and her needs, her desires. Going back to the, the PhD level boundaries with our families. As I said, I show up as a student every time because right. I mean, most would say that I qualify as a boundary expert and it's a daily practice, right? I'm yep. still a student. <laughs> yeah. I'm always the student. I'm with so, you. Yep. But what I have learned in my time in the Boundary Academy is how I can be flexible. My boundaries don't need to be, especially the really difficult ones, they don't need to be hard and fast. In my case, they can start out that way because that's what I need at that moment to get the physical and emotional space, but that there is some flexibility there. Just because it feels like it needs to be hard and fast today, doesn't need to be hard and fast tomorrow. Like they can evolve. I also want to point out that it feels like you notice a lightness over the time that we spend with women. Can we talk about that yes. for a minute? Because I was hoping we could talk about that because we've gone through three classes now in the Boundary Academy and we can start to set our watches to the first class. People are going to, there might be some tears in the room and it's heavy and everyone's scared and they're worried. And there's four modules, right? And by the fourth module, Every time we're laughing, we're joking, <laughs> we're like, we're in no rush anymore. Everyone's like, everything's good. You know, not that, not that everything's perfect, but there's a sense of I can handle what is as opposed to the, like the overwhelm or the panic feeling is gone. It's yeah, I'm still working on things, but I'm also centered. Like, it's also okay. Here we are. What do you witness? Like in terms of transition, there's a sense of I'm not even going to say heaviness, it's seriousness. Like module one is very serious. And these women are all high achieving, very capable perfectionists, all all the things that we've already discussed. And so there's a real seriousness because we show up serious. We're going to ace this class. (laughs) Right, and we paid money for it. We want to know we're going to get something out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Every dime's worth, right? And so there's that (laughs) sense. And then it's like, well, first we give them permission to be a C student not have to have all the answers, not have to ace all the tests. We say, which I love, we give them permission to not do the most. Yeah. Oh, that's it. That just I just felt that in my whole body. First and yeah. foremost, we give women permission to not do the most. And right. we tell them that it's okay to just do one thing. Who in our lives has ever given us that permission? I'm like going to cry a little bit, like just talking, because I feel like every time we bring that up, I feel it of like, gosh, somebody saying you just showing up as is, is fine. You just trying one thing is enough. You don't need to do 10 things this week. You don't need to do all the things. And, you know, we share the content in the course in different formats because everyone learns differently. You don't need to do every format. Pick the one that works for you. And it's plenty. Maybe that's it, Dana. That's it. That, that's where it's finally enough. The voice that always says, am I doing enough? Have you done enough? Could you be doing this better? Are you working hard enough? Have you tried everything you could? I think we're relearning what enough is. I think that that voice or that message is that you are enough. Mm. We are enough. And until we give ourselves permission to not do all the things and not try to solve all the world's problems, until we learn that it starts with us, we don't feel that. We don't feel that I am enough. I shared with you and and our team recently that someone made a comment about how confident I was. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Are they talking about me? You know, because... 
still have all the things that we have in our in our heads. But what I realized was that I show up differently in the world today because I am so clear about what's mine and what is not, and that I am enough. Where do you think that shift started or one place that shift started for you in the, oh my gosh, I need to do all the things versus being clear on I am enough? Like, where do you think that change begins? Well, for me personally, it started in my first, I think in my first coaching group with you when I did Reclaiming Time Studio a few years Mm -hmm. ago, that's where it started. You are the first person that I remember in my life saying that I could be a C student. Like you actually use those words. Oh my gosh, remember that conversation? all the little hairs on my body stood up. Like, is she out of her mind? No, I cannot. Has she met me? There is (gasps) nothing C student about me. Like it was everything in my body was like, what kind of crazy talk is this? <laughs> that was an email exchange. And I forgot that that happened. You remind me of that once in a while. I totally forget because you had signed up for the course. It hadn't started yet. And you wrote me this really sweet email about, I'm really excited. I want to make sure I get the most out of this. Yes. What do I need to do to get the most out of it? And I got, I remember receiving that email and thinking, oh God, I freaking love this woman because she, <laughs> she's going to show up for the work, right? Like she's in it. But then I also thought like most, like that is so much pressure to get the most. And how would we know? How would we even know what the most is? And I remember us having this beautiful dialogue around like, just get enough. What does enough look like? Let's just decide right now, before we even begin, how will you know if you've gotten enough? What does your money's worth look like from this program? What will you have walked away with? And then let's make that the benchmark. That reframe was a life changer for me. And I I want all women, maybe all people, all of humanity to know that the expectation that we should be all things all the time, every moment of every day is unrealistic and unhealthy and unsustainable. We really do need to knock it off. Well, you know, I think what you're touching on is this is the way that women, but also lots of people, certainly I think of different racial groups, different orientations of people. This is how we've been suppressed is to be kept too busy to have the energy to ask for something different or to expect something different or to be able to articulate our thoughts because we're so freaking tired. And the smartest thing that those systems, I think of patriarchy and white supremacy ever did was teach us to do it to ourselves. They don't even have to say, are you doing enough? Because we're thinking it ourselves 20 times a day, right? (laughs) Am I doing enough? Did I try enough? Did I do my best? So I think that's where it started to shift for me was that Reclaiming Time Studio conversation. And then again, three courses, like you said, we've been through now three courses of Boundary Academy and, and showing up for each one of those and watching, witnessing the changes in these incredible women I think it just it just solidified. But I also want to tell everyone who's listening that you and I work together. We we talk every week. We are on the same team. I am the head of school for the Boundary Academy. We are constantly reminding each other that we don't need to do the most, that we're showing up. I mean, this isn't just because we're experts at it. No, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And we need to hold each other accountable for doing too much and taking our rest. And and we do that. And to be on a team of women who can do that with each other, it has been, has been a real life changer as well. 
Well, Dana, I think what you're talking about here, this, this whole thing of the question you and I are perpetually asking ourselves is, how could I do this in a simpler way? And we always laugh. We have like four email ideas every week. We're like, here's what I want to put in the email to them. I want to send an email to the Academy about this and about that. And then we're like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. We told them that they could be C students, which means we can't send them five emails a week one email, like what's the highlight that they need to know right now? And we keep looking for how can I do this in a more simple way? And, you know, it starts with just trying all the things. We are naturally high achievers. We did all the things, you know, for the first few classes. And then we start to look at, okay, but what's landing? What do they actually need? What are they getting the most out of? How do we focus on that and clear clutter off our plate? But I'm curious for you and your vision having, and we've done three classes now, What does you and I living into doing enough and not too much look like in the next iteration for the next class? How might we do that next? Like what's something we could simplify or combine or make easier for ourselves for this next run? That's a really good question. The first thing that occurs to me, and I tend to go with my first thought is that we need to not need to but is to focus on that sense of community and conversation i want to bring a new tidbit of information i want to bring i want to bring it i just want to bring it every week i sit down i want to bring it i want to bring them good content i want to share all the conversations that you and i have and everything i read all the things and what's most important is that we keep showing up and being part of the conversation and letting their voices continue to be the focal point. Because I don't think women get enough space to hear their own voice. That's, I think, one of the most valuable parts. And by we, I don't mean you and I, I mean we, the collective community. So I want to encourage our students and our graduates and our community members to just keep showing up for one thing, just to stay in the conversation. That's what's most important. Because we're practicing here, and in order to practice, you have to be around people you can practice with and who create the space for you to feel safe, to have those those messy moments. Like, this can be messy. I mean, you say this all the time. A messy boundary, is still it still works. Yeah, they're still highly effective. Messy boundaries are highly effective, as it turns out. And I think the vision going forward is to just continue to foster that sense of, to really encourage people to stay in the conversation. Because like any online course, what we see is, you know, we deliver the four modules, they're live, they're recorded, so you can watch them again at your leisure. And then we have these two exceptional calls every month. The thought leader call is amazing every time. The Q&A call, which we're playing with a little bit, right, around that, it's the name of it. And it's kind of a group coaching thing, but they're two phenomenal calls every time. And I feel like, you know, we're all busy. Women fall out of the conversation. And then we have the LinkedIn group. So there are a lot of ways to stay engaged. I think it's, it's important to just pick one of those ways. And for anybody listening, I mean, that's the question is to ask ourselves, how could I stay in the conversation of boundaries this week? Like, might I go back and listen to another? And we'll put links here in the show notes to any other episodes we've done on boundaries. You know, might I go back and to listen to one of those or come take the free boundary brunch? I mean, it's totally free. There's nothing for sale in there. And be in the conversation that way. Is there a friend or a loved one that you've got that it is safe to talk about boundaries with, where you can be processing with or reading the book that's interesting you around boundaries? Or how could I 
staying in the conversation of boundaries and to use, you know, your, your method, Dana, which is so effective in a way that's doable this week. Just something small. Yeah. But consistent. You and I talk about how if it's not in our calendar, it doesn't happen, right? Like that's the practicalness of it. It's like, do I, you know, do I need to have a boundary reminder every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on my phone that says, hey, have you done your boundary thing? Or do I schedule it to be something so that it's more likely, more likely to happen? I want to just say that that ally, like having at least a person, if you don't have an entire community, and I cannot recommend having an entire community enough. But having, I'm very fortunate because my, you know, my sister in Reclaiming Time Studio, she's my, she's my go-to. Like we, we have that for each other. We can support each other. And I have someone to bounce those things off of when I'm not in my group kind of thing. And we talk a lot about that too, like having a boundary buddy or having an ally and how it's important to have that allyship when you're trying something new and you're practicing a new and tender skill. Oh, I love that. Maybe there's an idea for us to marinate on. We've seen this idea of having in the Reclaiming Time studio, you have a selfful sister. It was one person so that with even within the group, you had one person who was your go-to person and we would match people based on, you know, knowing that they would be a good sync for each other. Maybe that's something for you and I to consider in terms of formalizing that within the Boundary Academy so that every woman has a go-to person as well for those who are interested, who don't have that outside. But you're so right. It's not about having 10 people. One, one, and one, you know, can look like the podcast you're listening to or the book you're reading until you meet the one, right? Like it can look like listening to inspiring stories of other courageous people until you find the one, but gosh, not going it alone. The idea that not only do we have to do all the things and then we have to do them perfectly, but we have to do them ourselves, even if nobody taught us how, like what BS This is a time, you know, self-care is important, but this is a time for community care. This is a time for wrapping our arms around each other and doing this work together. And on that note, Dana, I cannot think of somebody that I would be more thankful to be in community with. You bring so much thoughtfulness, honesty, authenticity, playfulness, like a willing to like crack a joke or share some messy thing that just happened that just keeps it real. It keeps it really relevant. It keeps it really doable. It keeps it really honest and it keeps us really connected to each other and our, and our values. And so if you're willing, would you do want to do the quick two-way Q&A with our listeners? Sure. Yeah. I can't wait to hear how you've been on the show before, how your answers might be different than they were a year and a half ago. I don't remember what the questions are. And and my first thought, by the way, was, damn, I could have prepared for this. (laughs) (laughs) Am I doing enough? There it is, right? There's the voice. There's the voice. Okay, question number one. If you came with a warning label, what might it say? Don't ask if you don't want to know. (laughs) I love that. There's honesty. Like, there it is. I'm working right now on showing up as 100% myself, which I have never felt comfortable or safe to do. So these days, and I say it all again, with love and kindness. But if you if you ask, I'm going to tell you. Oh, there it is. And that's why I can trust you so much. I know that you're going to tell me like, here's the thing. Here's the truth. So based on our conversation, what's a question you might have for a woman listening? What do you want to know as we keep this going on social media? What is it that she might need to feel a little more nurtured and a little more rested? Like huge sigh, just as you say that. What might you need to 
to feel a little bit more nurtured and a little bit more rested? I want to know. Just naming it goes a long way before we even do it. It's just the naming and knowing that we're allowed to even be thinking about what we need. Exactly. Well, and I wanted to say that too, before we wrap is that, and you've mentioned this recently in the podcast, but sometimes when we're, when we're on overload, talking about self-care can feel really uncomfortable for people, right? Like I used to be really resentful when someone said, oh, can you come hear music? And I went, oh, I'm too busy. Well, get, get rid of something. What? It didn't feel doable to me. So just being gentle with ourselves and knowing that it's okay to just start having a conversation with yourself. If you feel like self-care is so far out of the realm of possibility for you, it's okay to just start wondering with curiosity, what might a little bit of self-care look like for me? Yeah, there it is. Okay, so my last question for you. Even if other people disagree, what is one thing you know to be true? That I am enough and that I have everything that I need within me. There it is. When you say that, I think it models something for all of us that we too could consider ourselves enough, Dana and recognize how capable we are. And this reminds me, I'll wrap with a really brief story. So my toddler nephews are learning how to swim and they're going at their own pace. And one of them is um, really tentative. He's this, he's my safety dude, which I've loved since he was very little because I could leave him unattended and I know he's never going to do anything dangerous. And He's the older, he's the four-year-old. And so the, the, the younger one, as often is the case, is, is a wild man, right? No fear, like pathological lack of fear, right? Like I have to like anything sharp, electric, an edge, he'll jump for it. And so we were standing by the edge of the pool and, and, the older, and the younger one dives in, you know, just jumps into the pool. He's ready to go, ready to, you know, kick and swim. And the older one is still tentative. And I kept saying, you know, I, you're capable, Elijah. I really think you can do this. I really think you're capable. And I said, come on, let's do a count. And we counted and we said one, two. And as I said, three, he said, I'm capable. And he left into the pool. And I just like, and there it was. And Dana, you remind us that we are capable and that we can jump when we're ready. But when we're ready, we can. And I just appreciate that you make the jump small and tender and gentle for the moments when we, when we need it. I can't think of a better person to be leading the Boundary Academy and all of these extraordinary women oh, in the conversation of, of what gives them life. Thank you so much. I'm so honored and grateful to be part of this team and, and to be working every day with you and on boundaries and leading this, this course is just, it's just amazing. It's such a gift. Oh, isn't Dana amazing? <laughs> Her questions really speak to the heart of community and our ability to look out for each other. So what is it as we look at her question that you might need to feel a little more nurtured and a little more rested in this moment? I encourage you to leave a review on iTunes with the answer to this question or any other part of this conversation that's standing out to you. And I would love to give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. And hey, having you join Dana and I and our other favorite Boundary folks on Monday, September 20th or getting the recording later is a great way to continue this conversation. You can RSVP at my website, carlyfane.com. Now, you heard Dana mention that creating boundaries with family members is the PhD level. Right? That is not the starting place for most of us. 
And boundaries with family members is one of the most common requests we get in the Boundary Academy. So next week, Sarah Gilman, a family counselor and boundary pro from Washington State, is joining us here on Messy and Magnificent to talk specifically about how to navigate the territory of boundaries with family members and other people that we live or work closely with. Between now and then, remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including the relationships that support who you are right now. And I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.